John chapter 15, verses 18 through 25. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were not of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than its master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the mistreated. That's what we're calling this sermon this morning. And what Jesus is doing in Matthew chapter 5 in these first 12 verses is he's telling us the type of person that is blessed, the type of person who is, has God's approval, if you will, who's happy in the Lord. The world would say that self-reliant, self-sufficient, not the poor in spirit are blessed. The world would say those who are happy-go-lucky, not the broken-hearted, are the blessed ones. The world would say the ambitious, not the meek, are the ones who are blessed by God. The world would say the ones that hunger after success, not righteousness, are the ones who are blessed. The world says that the one who does what it takes to get what he wants is blessed, not the merciful one who is actively compassionate and single-minded in his devotion to the Lord. See, the world loves drama, as we said last week, unlike the peacemaker. But Jesus says the peacemaker is the one who is blessed. This last beatitude is as surprising as the others preceding it. The blessed one, Jesus says, is the one who is persecuted. Look at verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray and ask God to help us this morning. Father, we acknowledge that we are needy people. We come today to church, Lord, because we're needy. Lord, we needed you to change our want to, to change our desire, to even get us here, to even have us tune in to, to this service. And we recognize that your hand is at work in us, and we need you to continue to work. We need you to work this morning to help us understand your word. Father, our minds are clouded and we're sinful and, Lord, we're distracted. Father, we need you to help us this morning to understand your word. And, Lord, then we need you to give us more grace as we leave this place to go out and apply it to our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it may seem a little strange that Jesus should pass from last week, the peacemaking, to persecution. See, last week Jesus paints a picture of Peacemakers helping others reconcile. Reconcile first to God and then to one another. And now today, Jesus paints a different picture. 
in verses 10 through 12, a picture of hostility as he tells us the blessed ones are the ones who are suffering persecution. The truth is, no matter how hard we try to make peace, some may refuse to live at peace with us or with others. See, not all attempts at reconciliation are successful. In fact, sometimes the peacemaker is not appreciated at all. The worldly may oppose us, may slander us, may persecute us. And just like being poor in spirit, being broken over sin, being meek and gentle, hungering for righteousness, being merciful, being pure in heart, and living as peacemakers, they're all marks of a believer. So what Jesus is doing in, the, in these Beatitudes is he's showing us what a true believer, a true follower of Christ looks like. And so today, a couple points from verses 10 through 12. Firstly, just persecution, what it is and what it isn't. He says, blessed are those who are persecuted. But, but notice the, why they are mistreated. It is for righteousness' sake. Or in verse 11, he says, when people mistreat you on my account... See, the persecution comes because the Jesus we adore, the Jesus we follow, the Jesus we aim to please is the one whom the world has rejected. See, the righteousness that we desire makes people in the world sick. See, persecution comes as a result of believers' association with Christ. Persecution, if you'd like a definition, is mistreatment at the hands of others because we're following Christ and aim to please Him alone. When we live humbly, having Christ-like affections and convictions, this godly life attracts attention from the world. Terry Johnson says, Such a life is resented. Such a life stirs up the fury of the world. And the Bible tells us this in John chapter 3, verse 20. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. Jesus again in John 15, verse 18 through 19. Scripture that Morgan read for us. If the world hates you, Jesus says, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Jesus speaking to his disciples. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 through 13. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Pretty straightforward, right? Pretty clear. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So the question is, do we desire to live godly lives pleasing to the Lord and if we were a believer, we would say yes. Many of us would answer that way. But being poor in spirit runs counter to the pride of men's heart. A confident person who is self-sufficient is admired by the world, not one broken over their sin. The meek are considered weak, and those who hunger and thirst after righteousness are oftentimes viewed as fools missing out on a good time. In fact, if you desire to be sexually pure, 
you will indict the immoral. If you desire to live sober lives of practicing self-control, your life will be a statement against drunkenness. If you live simply below your means, your life will expose the folly of extravagance. If you walk humbly with God, you will expose the arrogant. And the worldly, they don't necessarily like being exposed, do they? So what do they do? They come after believers in one way or another. Jesus is describing a Christian here in the Beatitudes. These are the attitudes that ought to be in this lifestyle, the way of life Jesus is describing here in these first verses of chapter 5 is a life that's in contrast to the world and conflict is inevitable. But I want to remind us to be careful what we call persecution. And there's many different types of persecution, aren't there? I mean, there's people who are losing their homes. Their children are being taken from them and sold into slavery. Men are being killed and women are being raped and murdered. Jobs are being lost. Promotions are passed, being passed over and given to another. Maybe harsh words are said. Maybe you're the butt of jokes in the office because of your stand for Christ. They come in different varieties and different forms. Sometimes as we've been doing throughout this series, understanding what something is and helps us to see what it is. What many times is called persecution sometimes is, is actually self-generated suffering. First Peter chapter 4, verse 15 and 16, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evil evildoer, or as a meddler. See, not every mistreatment should cause us to think we are bearing the reproach of Christ. In fact, many times Christians suffer not because of their faith, but lack thereof. If you're treated badly because you're a jerk or you're rude or you're unloving, maybe you've got what's coming to you or maybe you're just reaping what you've sown. I got fired, some might say, because they know I'm a Christian. Really. Or is it because you're lazy, incompetent, and don't do your job well? That could also be true. Notice it says in verse 11, believers are, are blessed when others utter all kinds of evil against you, what? falsely on my account. See, believers aren't to engage in the kind of conduct that enables people to accuse them genuinely. The things that are said against you should be said falsely. Our lives as Christians are to be above reproach. If you don't do what is asked of you and you lose your job, don't claim 
Don't claim persecution as a badge of righteousness. That happens sometimes. So not every mistreatment is persecution. We have to be careful. So the question then is, have we been persecuted, genuinely persecuted? Have we, as believers, been out of step with the culture and as a result endured its ridicule? If not, maybe we should ask, why not? Is it that we are too insulated from the world so we can have no influence on it? So yeah, I just all I know is Christians. All my friends are Christian, my family's Christian, my children are Christian, you know. Are we too insulated from the world that we can't influence it? Is it that we're too much like the world? We don't have any conflict with the world because we're hiding our light under a bushel. Ken Hughes, he tells a story of Tertullian and a business owner. When it was a hundred years after this sermon was preached by Jesus. A man approached the great church leader, Tertullian, with a problem. His business interest in Christianity conflicted. And if he held to the faith, stayed true to Christ and his convictions, then his business would suffer. And he ended by asking, What can I do? I must live. Tertullian replied, Must you? See, there's some things worse than living. Sometimes we need to welcome persecution in our lives by being obedient to Christ above all things. So persecution is when we're mistreated because we follow in Jesus and trying to obey Him and please Him and honor Him with our lives. And notice the blessing that comes to the persecuted. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be what? You'll be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. It says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is a reward. If you, if you recognize this kingdom of heaven, it's mentioned in the first attitude that ought to be. Verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And here we see it again. The bookends, the first attitude that ought to be and the last attitude that ought to be that Jesus mentions. He, the blessing is, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If, you're, if you suffer ridicule because of your love for Christ, Scriptures tell us that for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the reward promised. We might say for those persecuted for Christ's sake, the kingdom is yours. It's quite a blessing, isn't it? Many people build fortunes but the ones who build fortunes and make millions, they leave the same thing the pauper leaves. When they leave this world, they leave it all behind. As believers, we won't take anything with us, but for those who are persecuted for Jesus' sake, we will be rewarded in glory. 
It says, your reward is great in heaven. Many, like many of the blessings that we've seen so far in the Beatitudes, some of those we experienced here on earth, but for the, for the most part, it's, we're going to experience those in the life to come and eternity and glory, right? And that's certainly true of this blessing. But the wounds and the hurts are like medals of honor. We may lose everything on earth, but we shall inherit everything in heaven. Blake read this verse earlier in our worship time, 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. For this light momentary affliction, Paul says this, is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are, uh, that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German theologian, the German Christian who he died at the hands of the Nazis. Right, he died right before the war ended. He was executed and as he left his prison room on the way to the gallows in 1945, he said, this is the end. For me, the beginning of life. That's the reward for those who are persecuted. And we see throughout Scripture the godly looking forward to their reward. Abraham in Hebrews chapter 11. He trusted God and looked forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt for he was looking to the reward. And in Hebrews chapter 12, Jesus looked forward to His reward. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The persecuted are blessed because they have a reward in heaven. And the persecuted are in good company. He tells us, For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. If you are persecuted today, you belong to a noble succession. John 15, 20. Jesus says, Remember the word I said to you, A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, Jesus says, they will also persecute you. If they keep my word, they will also keep Yours. And the great prophets were persecuted. Like Elijah, he was persecuted by Jezebel. Moses by Korah and Dathan. Jeremiah by the religious leaders. John the Baptist by Herod. They were treated terribly. And the apostles were martyred. And Paul explicitly tells us of his suffering in 2 Corinthians 11, 24-27. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. And the reason they said less one is because they thought forty would kill a man. So they beat him to the beat him uh, within an inch of his life, so to speak. Five times that happened. Verse twenty-five. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. 
on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless nights, and hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Yeah, the Apostle Paul, he suffered, didn't he? He was persecuted. You read the book of Acts. You see his experiences at the hand of the Jews. John Piper, he says, Look to the prophets. Look to the martyrs. Whatever you must do to get your heart in heaven and off the world, do it. I want to encourage you to, to do that. Make that a, a rhythm of your life to read biographies of those who've gone before us who've suffered greatly. I know Jenny and I, we've been blessed. Our lives, that's a, a, a habit of ours. We do that regularly. We read biographies of people who have suffered greatly and it encourages us. As he says, it gets our mind on heaven and, and off the world. So persecution is the mistreatment of believers at the hands of others because they follow Christ. It is not self-generated suffering. And this blessings that we receive are not to be experienced fully in this world. But it is to be expected. And that's our third point, is to be expected. And these beatitudes, we keep calling them the attitudes they ought to be. Well, this is not an attitude for sure, but it is a characteristic of a believer. I know we had a... When we were overseas, we had a brother who was very dear to us. He was called in to the local authorities and was given, uh, he was questioned and he was given a lot of threats and mistreated a bit before he was released. And later that day, he came to our home and I wasn't there, but he, he was in our kitchen and he was talking to Jenny in a whispered voice and he told her what had happened that day and I wasn't home and he had left and when I came home Jenny shared with me what had happened and we had been expecting these things to happen and we, we knew they did but this is a dear brother who was very um, good to us but also very instrumental in the work in our city and I, I was so um, hurt and, and bothered by that and so the next day when I saw him I, I tried to comfort him and it was it was it was pretty interesting. He just kind of looked at me like he was just sharing these experiences like it was just everyday experience. He said, but, and I was like, I'm so sorry this happened. He says, but isn't this what the Bible says would happen to people who follow Jesus? And I go, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. It is. That's what the Bible teaches us. What happened to those who follow Jesus, right? And isn't it amazing how people... I'm not one who um, I'm not one who um, goes hunting and looking for false teachers or false prophets. I I, I want to kind of take care of our own. I want to my my job and my responsibility as a shepherd is to shepherd our people. But sometimes we're, our people are influenced by others, and and so when that happens, I need to help you, and I need to um, to do something about it. But there's a lot of preachers who teach the Bible, but they teach wrongly. And they'll say that you're not to experience persecution. In fact, this life, if you follow Christ, everything's going to go well. You're going to have a better life, a prosperous life, a life of ease. And that's not what the Bible teaches. 
yeah, in some ways our life's easier because we have hope and we have joy, right? We can, we can meet difficulties head on because of what's to come. But life isn't easy for a, a believer. That's not what the Scriptures teach. In fact, the Scriptures teach us the opposite. It's going to be difficult and you'll face opposition. And just again, have you ever faced opposition as a believer of any kind? And if your answer is no, I've never had any opposition at all for my faith or how I live my life, then students, if you've never had opposition at school, you, I would, you need to think about that. Why is that? First Peter 4, 12 and 13. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Peter says, it's not strange for you to be free to suffer. The opposite of strange would be what? Common, right? So in other words, it's common for you to suffer. Yeah. Second Timothy 3, 12 through 13. All who desire to live a godly life, and that's what we as believers, we desire to do, right? Will be persecuted. While evil people and impostors are gone from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. For it has been granted to you, Paul says, that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. So there's experiences or, or characteristics of a believer. One is that you'll believe. So if we're believers, but yeah, we, we trust Christ. We trust Christ's work on the cross as our own. And so what Paul is saying here in this verse is, yeah, not only is believing, yeah, that's what we do. We believe, but we also suffer. Jesus, he, he not only told his disciples that they would suffer, but he prepared them to Suffer. John 16, 1 through 4. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. So Jesus preparing his disciples for what? For hardships, for, for difficulty. Blessed are the persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let me re read this to you, John Stott. He said, I couldn't put it in better words. I just want to read it, kind of a summary of, of this these Beatitudes. The Beatitudes paint a comprehensive portrait of a Christian disciple. What Jesus is doing, he's painting a picture. This is what a, a Christian looks like. We see him first alone on his knees before God, acknowledging his spiritual poverty and mourning over it. This makes him meek or gentle in all his relationships since honesty compels him to allow others to think of him what before God he confesses himself to be. Yet he is far from acquiescing in his sinfulness for he hungers and thirsts after righteousness, longing to grow in grace and in goodness. We see him next with others out in the human community. 
His relationship with God does not cause him to withdraw from society, nor is he insulated from the world's pain. On the contrary, he is in the thick of it, showing mercy to those battered by adversity and sin. He is transparently sincere in all his dealings and seeks to play a constructive role as a peacemaker. Yet he is not thanked for his efforts, but rather opposed, slandered, insulted, and persecuted on account of the righteousness for which he stands and the Christ with whom he identifies. So what do we do with this, these verses? How do we apply this to our lives? I think firstly is just to ask you that question, are you, are you ever in conflict with the world? And if you say, no, nah, I'm pretty uncomfortable living in the world, that's probably a, a, an indication that things may, are not right in your heart. And if, you're, you're, if you recognize that, if you say, I'm, I'm not, I'm so much like the world that the world has no reason to be in conflict with me, you then I would encourage you to repent. Because the Lord calls us to live holy lives. As we study through these attitudes that ought to be, these keys to the kingdom, we're, we've been humbled, haven't we? I have, because I see where I lack, and there's so much more need. There's so many areas of my life where I fall short. The standard Jesus gives us here is pretty, pretty high, and we fail miserably. But I want to encourage you, if you're comfortable in the world and you're not ever in conflict, I would encourage you to, to repent and turn from your worldliness. And the second thing I think we should do is we should rejoice when we do struggle and have adversity and conflict. And I mean, how did Jesus expect His disciples to react under persecution? He expected them to rejoice. He tells them, rejoice and be glad in verse 12. And this isn't just any old preacher who kind of nonchalantly says, you know, at a funeral, well, you know, we just have to take, keep praising God in good times and bad, you know. No, this is the Lord saying these words. This is the talk of the one who has seen something and tasted something and knows something about a reality that most people have never tasted or glimpsed. Jesus can say, rejoice and be glad because he knows beyond a, any shadow of a doubt that the reward of heaven will more than compensate for any suffering we must endure as we follow Christ. So rejoice. Thirdly, not only should we rejoice, but we should re respond rightly. Not just rejoicing, but Romans chapter 12, verse 14 says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. I mean, Christians, we're, when we're persecuted, when we're ridiculed because we, we're trying to emulate Christ, I mean, they're, they're, they're coming at you because you're exposing something in them that they don't like. Well, don't blow it by coming unglued when someone mistreats you. Right? There, 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 there's been there's a contrast between your lifestyle and the world. And because of that, there's conflict. And the world has to retaliate, come at you. So when there's you get some kickback or you're the butt of the joke or 
someone says something nasty to you, don't come unglued. What does the scripture say? Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. And fourthly, you know, we, we have to be careful what we call persecution. We have to make sure that our lives are reflecting Christ and we're being mis mistreated because of our godly lifestyle. And persecution comes in different forms, different ways. Some may lose friends. Some may lose family members even. Some may lose a spouse. We may be called sticks in the mud or even lose the promotion or lose a job. These are real injustices and we don't make light of any of those things. But in our world, there's some people last night who lost their family members because solely because they're Christians. Last night, there's some children who were taken from their homes and sold into slavery solely because they're Christians. Men were killed and women were raped last night because they are Christians. People are being imprisoned in this world just because they love Jesus. Losing everything, losing their businesses, losing their families, losing their homes. So I want to encourage us. I'm going to send that out to us this week, some different sites about the persecuted church because persecution is real. And we'll see it in, we see it in America. We see it more and more, the ridicule. And in the days to come, we'll see it intensify, I believe, in our country. But in other countries where Christianity and following Christ isn't tolerated, people are suffering miserably because of Jesus. So what I want us to, I want to encourage you to do is to pray for those who are, who are hurting and who are suffering. Don't stick our heads in the sand and act like it's not really happening. Because it'll be, it'll be that way here in our country, most likely. But it's, people are losing lives and everything because of Jesus. And that's happening now around the world. There's so many places, so many countries that are hostile to kingdom causes. So I want to close this just by praying for the church. And like I said, I'm going to send some of that information out to you just so you can kind of understand and know what's happening in the world. People are being imprisoned and being mistreated because of Jesus. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, we acknowledge that we are blessed here in, in America, the land of freedom, the land of heat and air, the land of comfort. And we are blessed. But Lord, we know that as we live for Christ, as we live holy, seek to live holy lives, pleasing you, we know that ridicule and mistreatment will come. And Lord, we experience that. Father, help us to rejoice 
and be glad. And Father, there are many in the Middle East and in South Asia and East Asia who are in prison now, not sure where their families are, how their spouses are doing, just because they love you. Father, there are children who has lost their daddies here on as we celebrate Father's Day. Some children are orphaned. They don't have daddies because their daddies love Jesus. There's little girls who don't have mothers because their mothers love Jesus. There's families who have lost everything, their homes and their businesses, their livelihoods because of Christ, and they suffer. And Father, I pray that you would you would comfort, Lord, those in North Korea. Lord, those in Somalia, those in Pakistan and Afghanistan, or those in Nigeria that recently lost their loved ones and had their villages burned. Father, I pray that you would comfort them by your Holy Spirit. And Lord, do it in such a way that they can rejoice. Father, may you bless those who are persecuted. Lord, bless them with the Holy Spirit with much grace that they could rejoice and be glad knowing that one day they'll be with you forever and all their hurt and all the injustice will be made right and all the tears will be dried from their eyes and they'll see you face to face and we'll all as the church, the people of God, gather around the throne praising you for allowing us to be a part of your kingdom's work and allowing us to suffer for Christ's sake. Father, as we struggle, as we live in this world, Lord, may you remind us often of those who are being severely punished because of you. And may we intercede petition you on their behalf. In Jesus' name, amen.